Matt Munoz? Yes. Charlie Daniels, how are you? When I look up Charlie Daniels' band, I mean, there's just such a rich history, and trying to think of a starting point where to start this conversation, it's pretty impossible because there's so many highlights. For me, it always comes back to Devil Went Down to Georgia. That was the first time yeah. I ever discovered right. you. Um, I was uh, 11 years old. I heard the song on the radio. Urban Cowboy comes on. It just keeps going. It becomes like one of those kind of gateways into country music for so many people that didn't normally listen to country music. Uh-huh. What are your memories from that period in your career? Well, I agree with you. I think it was, uh, you know, kind of a, a door opener for us. Definitely, we had had some success uh, with records before, but nothing like this. This was like the second, you know, second stage kicking in. It was. Uh, I, it just crossed the genres. It crossed. Uh, it crossed demographics. It crossed genres. It crossed uh, uh, formats. Uh, just one of those songs that kind of came on strong and just kind of stays around. We we still do. Still the biggest song we do. In fact, we just recorded a. A word changed version, a changed a, with a version with the words changed and for Monday Night Football yes. that we on this weekend, and it's kind of weird that we did this back in 1979, and we're <laughs> the song, you know, we're still network TV wants us to do it, so it's it's a blessing. I mean, it's, of course, it's our signature song, and of course, it's the first really strong international recognition that that we got in places sometimes that didn't even speak English that we went and toured. And, it's been a very much of a door opener for us, definitely. Yeah. Now that song has been parodied a bunch of times. Have you ever tried? Have you ever followed how many times the song has been parodied? You know, by different artists. I haven't, but I can tell you the most unusual parody that I've heard was the one that uh, depicted the Scottish English soccer game. It was called "Big Willie Went Down to Wembley," <laughs> and the <laughs> the refrains went "Fights on the terrace, run boys run." It was about the you know the game that they're big, of course, big. Yeah, big enemies with the two soccer teams, and so it's. But there's, there's been, gosh, so many things been done. I, I can't keep up with all of them. <laughs> no, definitely. Thank you so much for that. Uh, have you ever been approached? And maybe there, ha- maybe there has been a, a movie done. Have you ever been approached about contributing to a, a movie based on the song? I was approached by a gentleman that does Broadway musicals, and I can't remember his name because I don't live in that world. But it's evidently some guy that had some success in doing it that talked to me sometime back about doing a Broadway musical type script on it. That's been a while back. I haven't heard anything from him, but uh, yeah, I've had uh, people approach me about doing scripts and this and that and the other thing, but nothing's ever reached fruition on it yet. So we got to get on out of here, but before we go, we got time to do one more song. I think we'll make it to Devil Went Down to Georgia. Georgia and he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He's willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man, saw him on the fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on the hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what, you probably didn't even know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you care to take it there, I'll just make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle boy, but let's give a devil this due. I bet this fiddle of gold against your soul is like I'm better than you. Well, I said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'm gonna take that bet you're going to because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny rolls it up your bowl, play your fiddle hard. Cause there's opens in Georgia and the devil deals cards. If you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. If you lose, the devil gets you sold. The devil opened up his case and he 
his fingertips, he rolled it up his bow, and then he pulled his bow across the strings, and it made evil hiss. Then a band of demons joined in, it sounded something like this. song still in Saigon you know that's like a that was that was a very important song and that was kind of another kind of a game changer for at the time when I was listening to radio because I was I was pretty young and you know we all were learning about the Vietnam War in school and stuff like that in history class but to hear a song addressing the PTSD and stuff that you know, we all know about today, you know, the programs that a lot of the Vietnam veterans go through. When you came out with that song, what inspired you to address that topic? Well, actually, I didn't write the song. It came to me from two different directions. Okay. My producer found it, and also a group called the Vietnam Veterans of America, which was a lot of wounded, uh, well, not necessarily wounded, but a lot of, of guys that had, of course, internal wounds and psychological wounds that were calling themselves Vietnam Veterans of America, and I got it from them, and I had never served, I've never been in uniform, and I kind of felt I was, as I was being a little presumptuous as in, uh, doing the lyric in the first person, as if, if, if it happened to me, I felt a little weird about doing it, and I talked to some Vietnam veterans, I said, how would you guys feel about somebody doing this song that had not actually had the experience but that was commenting on it and to the person that I talked to they said did it do it so I did and it was very well received by the the Vietnam veterans community and uh, you know it was kind of a it, it seemed to mean something special you know that experience is something if you haven't done it you can't really uh, the more I have talked to people about uh, you know about the, the Vietnam experience, the more I have found out that it's something that 
it don't seem they can really articulate. You know, it's it's something that that if they sit, if there was somebody else that's come done the same experience, they understand each other. But trying to articulate to somebody who's not been there is a is a tough thing. And they came back so misunderstood and so you know so mistreated, and it seemed like it was kind of a a little bit of kind of maybe if not closure, at least a little somebody saying, "Hey guys, you know, we appreciate what you did, and here's a song for you."
did surprise me that you, you were inducted in the, the Grand Ole Opry four years ago. Pretty much after everything that you've done for the for the genre, I mean careers. I think the entire genre of country music on the radio owes so much to you. You're one. You're right there up in the pantheon of 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 those greats that have like helped elevate the genre crossover. How was that moment for you when you got inducted? Well, that what a nice compliment. That that was nice you to say that. I I I'm like you. Yeah, I get to wonder if it ever was going to happen. We, I have been a lifelong admirer of the Grand Ole Opry, and the first radio that I ever consciously remember listening to, that I could identify and say, yes, I did listen to that at my earliest remembrances, was the Grand Ole Opry. And, of course, as time went along, as I came to Nashville in 67, and my recording career went along, one of the big things that I really, really wanted was to be on the Grand Ole Opry, and, and we played it about any time we wanted to, any time we were in town, we wanted to play the Opry, so it was not a question of appearing on the Opry. It was a question of having my name in the book when they wrote about this great American institution called the Grand Ole Opry the, with the Ernest Tubbs and the Hank Williams and the Roy A. Custom. I mean, I just want to be a part of that because there's so much, uh, so much, uh, appreciated it and revered it. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was ego, I don't know if it's just a lifelong wish, but it was something that it began to look like it was not going to happen. I was 71 years old when they finally got around to it. And But it meant as much to me and probably more at that age than it would have had, I, had it happened in my younger years. I think that it was a, a prize that I really wanted and that uh, for it to come along at a time of life when it did, it really meant a lot. I told the people at the show that the job for that night when I was introduced, you know, the Bible says God will give you desires of your heart. You have just seen that come true tonight because that was a very sincere desire in my heart to remember the Grand Little Opry. So I'm kind of going around my elbow to get my thumb here to try to tell you that all of the superlative adjectives that you can come up with to to describe how I felt when I was inducting the Opry would, would fit because it was such a huge honor to me. Uh, yes, and congratulations on that. You're well-deserved. You. What, what do you think of today's young country scene? You know, it's kind of like it's always been. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it will last, some of it wasn't. I think the problem that I have with it personally is that the similarities, that so much of it sounds the same, the artists, the songs, the arrangements, the musicians, uh, but that's what music is nowadays. I mean, I'm sure when I came along and we started doing things that didn't sound like the present day people that were involved in country music and people were saying, well, that's, you know, that's just, I don't understand that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I probably don't, you know, I'm old dog. I probably don't get it. But I think one of the things that I think is kind of a fallacy to me is there are so many young people coming along now that are, are really, really talented that have, a lot of music in them that they'll never get to to show the world because they fall into a category a record company wants to make into a cookie cutter sort of thing that we want you here's the latest guy here's the latest sound here's the latest song here's the latest way to dress here's the latest this the latest that we, we're going to make you you're going to be like this you get typecast into that mold and you never get out of it you're just uh, you're here today and gone tomorrow and uh you know i just hate to see some of these young people coming along that they get so pushed into the sound du jour that uh when that kind of starts when they kind of start fading out they're like disposable there's no more hey let's try my stuff for a while Let, let's do what i want to do for a little bit and we get a chance to do that i did 
that was a great thing. I had a chance to, to do what I wanted to do. And a lot of these kids are not getting that chance. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a shame because I think some of them could really add a lot to the music today. Yeah, I remember seeing you on MTV. You, were, I think you were one of the first, uh, one of the first country artists to ever be shown on MTV uh, back in the day. We did, we did the first live broadcast that they ever did on MTV. <laughs> That's so it was awesome. from uh, Saratoga Performing Arts Center in in uh, an amphitheater in New York. We did the, the very first one they ever did was it was CDB. It sure was. How close were you friends with uh, Buck Owens and Merle Haggard? You know, I didn't really. I just acquaintances, really. I didn't meet uh, either one of, the, of them until, uh, you know, later years. I, I uh, ran. I would run into them at play. We, ne- we never basically worked together that much. I, I don't think I ever worked with Buck. And I worked with Merle just a couple of times. We just, for some reason, we were never considered, I guess, to be, a, you know, a real Bible package. Uh, so we didn't actually work together. That's when I meet most people, you know, that are in the music business. But I would run into them at an awards show or something like that. I had great respect for both of them, but didn't really know either one of them really well. Are you always writing new material? Yeah, I'm constantly writing new material, but the, the, most of it's not based on, you know, anything to do. I don't I, I don't see myself to write political songs. I write American songs. I write America as I see it. And I don't, you know, I'm not in support of any political party or any, uh, I start to say ideology, I guess I am in favor of, uh, you know, freedom and justice for all ideology. But uh, I don't, that's just when something comes in my mind. Like in America came to me, it was during the Iranian hostage crisis, and there's been a a real lull, a real ebb tide of, of, of patriotism. And I started to see when they took our hostages over in, Iraq, Iran, or rather, I kept hearing these very people saying things like, we ought to do this, we ought to do that, and it, it popped in my mind. You never thought it would ever happen again, because it had been flag burnings, and the, it just reached the ebb tide, and, and the song came into my mind, and that's what motivated me to write it. And that's the things like that that happen, or like the Last Fallen Hero I song I had at 9-11, things that motivate me in that in one direction or another to write this kind of songs. Ordinarily, I just write about everyday things, you know, everyday life, and frivolous stuff, and things that don't make a difference, and things that do, so there's no telling what I may write. Our main aim, from time we walk on stage to the time we walk off, is entertaining people. That's what it's all about. Uh, we are, you know, if we sell our new album, fine, great, we'll, we will do it, but we'll not do it at the expense of the show. We will not put so many new songs in that it will get boring to people listening to stuff they never heard before. It will keep it moving. We'll keep it high energy, and we you know, that's the whole thing. Is we enjoy ourselves, and want everybody else to enjoy themselves. That's what we're there for their enjoyment. Beautiful. Thank you. So well, thank you so much for the time. It was an honor speaking with you, Charlie. Just well, I've thank been, you, and I hope you'll come see us when we're out there. Oh, I, I can't wait. That's that's pretty much the day that I'm going to the fair. If I go to the fair the other days, I'm just going to eat. But I really want to see you play. <laughs> <laughs> well, be sure and identify yourself. Come up and say hello when you come. Will you do that? Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Charlie. And, uh, okay, uh, God bless you, and we'll see you soon. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.